Welcome to the programming today. We're going to be having a brand new message today on the cross of Christ, and I'm so thrilled and excited that you tuned in to be with us today. It's a beautiful day here in Traverse City, Michigan, and we are just thankful to the Lord that uh, spring is just around the corner. Amen, amen, amen. It's amazing to me how uh, yesterday I had to be on the road. Uh, and uh, it was cloudy and blowy and snowing and all of this. And then today I'm here in the office and uh, making radio programs, and the sun is out, and it's so beautiful, and uh, I've got a lot of work to do. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being with us. Today I'd like, if you would, to turn with, with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and um, I want to read beginning at verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1, <clears throat> beginning at verse 17. And what I think I'll do here today is I will read um, the entirety of my text, all of the verses that I'm going to try to deal with. And let me mention, of course, in in a one-hour format or less, uh, we, we can't really deal with these verses in the totality that we, we would like to. Um, my subject for today really is the preaching of the cross. And how could you exhaust that? How could you uh, uh, totally look into every aspect of that? I even if we had a whole year of teaching on just that subject, I don't believe we could exhaust it. Because you see, the cross, praise God, is a never-ending well of salvation, a well of blessing, a well of hope, a well of healing, a well of prosperity. The cross is a never-ending well of blessing to the believer. And so you cannot exhaust it. But today I want to try to talk just a few moments on the preaching of the cross. And let's look 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. The great apostle Paul writes these words. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Okay, let's read that again because you can trip over that. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. In other words, man, and I said I was going to read all the text, but let me throw this in there. 
man in his own wisdom, <clears throat> in our own intellectual capabilities, we cannot understand the wisdom of God in the natural. And that's why we've got to be born again. Okay, we'll come back to that. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them who believe. Okay? For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. Pay attention to that now. And unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And verse 25 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And today I want us to talk about the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross. And I'm going to break this down into kind of like two segments of the message, like I did the last one. Father, thank you. Thank you for being able to sit here today, to stand here today, to address this people on the most important subject in all of the world, the salvation of the soul and the sanctification of the saint. And Father, we, we are humbled and we give you praise that all of it is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, please anoint us and anoint your words and anoint the people to hear and to receive of this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The great apostle Paul in the 17th verse was not, he, he, he wasn't putting down or denigrating water baptism, where he said Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. Um, every single Christian needs to be water baptized as an outward evidence of their faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul obviously wasn't putting it down. He just said that wasn't his primary ministry. Paul's primary ministry was to preach Christ crucified to a lost and dying world and to teach fellow Christians the way that we are to live for God, the same way we got saved by placing our faith in Christ crucified. That was Paul's <clears throat> thrust. That was Paul's main flow of ministry. He talked about many things. He, he talked about the gifts of the Spirit. He was given a revelation of the gifts. He, he was given a revelation of the rapture of the church. He was given a revelation of the Antichrist and how all of that would come about. But his primary message was the preaching of the cross. And the reason that that is so is because, and, and please hear me when I tell you this, the only way we can be saved the only way we can make heaven, the only way that we can miss hell, the only way that we can live a holy life, the only way that we can do the things we should do and not do the things we ought not to do, the only way is because and through and by the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ. Paul said that was a stumbling block to the Jew because they wanted to keep the law. 
Paul said it was foolishness to the Greek because, and that word Greek could also be translated Gentile, because they were the intellectuals. They wanted to come up with their own way. So on the one hand, you have the Jews that wanted to keep the law. You had the Greeks who wanted to come up with their own way. And Paul stands boldly in front of both groups of people. And he says there's not but one way. And that is the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. And by you believing in him. Believing in Christ. Believing in Christ crucified. Believing in what he did at the cross. Not only is that the only way to be saved, it's the only way for you and me to live for God. It's the only way you and I can be sanctified as Christians, is by faith in Calvary. Intellectualism is not the gospel. The cross of Christ must always remain the emphasis of our message, church. There are so many things the church is addressing itself to in this hour that just absolutely doesn't matter. But the cross matters. The cross must ever be the emphasis of the church's message. And it says in verse 18, for the preaching of the cross, and when you look at that word that's translated preaching there from the Greek, I'm not so sure that preaching is the best translation uh, of the message. King James has it translated as preaching. Some of the other versions translated, I think, a little more correctly. It could have been translated word for the word of the cross. Or it could have been translated message for the message of the cross. Now, obviously, we are to preach the word and preach the message. So there's no violence done to the, the tenor of the word by the King James translators. The preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. And the first thing that we have to understand is that spiritual things cannot be discerned by unredeemed people. But it doesn't matter that they can't discern it. We must preach the cross anyway, because as we preach it, the Holy Spirit will begin to open people's hearts to it. So let me say that again. As we're teaching on this today, no doubt there are many who will tune across the radio dial, who will click a link and come into the message and they're unredeemed, they don't know Jesus, they've not been born again, they're not saved, and yet... They won't understand this guy here talking over radio today about the cross. But we must keep talking about the cross because as we talk about the cross, the word of the cross, the message of the cross, as we preach it, the Holy Spirit will begin to open up hearts and minds and lives to the truth of the message. And that's how people get born again. You see, you didn't just jump up out of bed one day and say, well, I think I'll get saved today. The Holy Spirit had to draw you to God. The Holy Spirit wooed you. The Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin. The, the Holy Spirit convicted you that you needed righteousness. And there's only one way to get that righteousness, and that's through the shed blood of Jesus. So as the preacher... 
who is preaching the cross, preaching the word of the cross, preaching the message of the cross, as the preacher keeps preaching it, then the Holy Spirit begins to go to work on people until they see the truth, until it dawns on them, so to speak, or until the light goes on in the crevices of their hearts. And it takes, and they get it, and they receive it. And they put their faith and their trust in Christ. To those who perish, it's foolishness. The unredeemed cannot understand. Even those who were so bound by law-keeping could not understand how someone could die on a tree 2,000 years ago. And how does that save me? You see, because the world was steeped in the agonies of sin, and our world is still steeped in the agonies of sin today. And the law was God's holy and perfect and just standard of righteousness that had to be met. But the only problem was man could never meet it. Man could never keep the law perfectly, no matter how hard he tried. It's only been one person that's ever kept the law perfectly, and that's been Jesus. And because of this, God, you see, he still loved man. He, he knew that we were bound to fail. He, he knew that we could not make it. He knew that we would never do right more than just a couple of days at a time in all of our life. In some way or another, either in word, thought, or deed, we would fail. He knew that. But yet he wanted us. He loved us. He wanted to spend eternity with us. So he sent Jesus. God said, I will become man. And in the form of Jesus, he took upon flesh and dwelt among us. It's a divine mystery. And all three members of the Trinity were involved in this. But it was Jesus that hung on that cross. And the only reason that he could hang on the cross was because he lived a perfect life. Something that none of us and no one before us has ever done. Live a perfect life. Only Jesus. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He kept it in every respect. He never one time failed, never one time sinned. And so he became the perfect Lamb of God who is without sin, who takes away the sin of the entire world for all those who will believe. For all those who will believe, the very perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ will be credited to you and to me if we believe. It's called justification. And that seems <clears throat> to the mind bent on law or to the intellectual, it seems foolish. It seems like utter stupidity to the unredeemed who have not been born again. They cannot possibly understand. And so when we preach this, we look foolish to them. But the Bible is clear that as we keep preaching it, that is how man becomes saved by the power of God. Glory be to God. The cross is the power of God. 
because it was at the cross that the total sin debt was paid. And that gave the Holy Spirit the opportunity and the open door, if you will, the latitude to work in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls on planet Earth. And so now, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, and, and we preach it even when people don't understand it, even when people uh, contradict it, even when people criticize it, we preach it because to them it's foolishness, but at any moment, God could open their spiritual eyes and they could get saved. Amen. They could receive Christ. The, the word of God tells us plainly, we read it to you, that it pleased God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, preaching the cross, not preaching man-made obligations, not preaching law, not preaching uh, rules and rituals and ceremonies, not preaching psychology, not preaching uh, the dogma of a particular church, but it pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching of the cross to save them who will believe. And Paul in that verse of scripture is not talking about the art of preaching. He's talking about what message is being preached. Glory to God. And oh, how the church today, praise God, how this awesome organization of the Holy Spirit called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ today needs to return to lifting high the cross of Jesus Christ. For it's the only way whereby we can be saved. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you something, if you're listening at me right now. I don't, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. But if you come across this dial today and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and you have received him and you've repented of your sins and turned to Jesus Christ, man, you ain't going to hell. Bad English, but good point. You're not going to hell. You don't need to add anything else to it. Just keep your faith in Jesus. Just keep believing in Jesus. Just keep serving Jesus. You don't need to add anything to it. You ain't going to hell if you've put your faith in what Jesus did for you at the cross. And it's by that foolishness, and again, I say foolishness, foolishness in the eyes of the unredeemed world, it's by that foolishness in their eyes that God has chosen. You see, Len Paxton didn't choose this. Angie didn't choose this. Hallelujah. Mark Williams didn't choose this. Amen. Jimmy Swaggart didn't choose this. None of the great preachers of our modern world chose this method. God chose this method of saving sinners. How? By belief, by believing, by faith in what Jesus did at the cross. And the world thinks it's foolish. And sad to say, much of today's church counts it as foolishness as well. In church after church after church these days, you hear psychological sermons. You hear self-help philosophy sermons. 
when what we need to be doing is lifting up the name of Jesus and what he did at the cross. And when you when you say, you know, I put my faith in Jesus, I'll lift up the name of Jesus, I believe in Jesus. When you say those things, automatically think of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross for you because that is the central message of Christianity. The, the, the main thrust of Christianity is not to live a better life with more money and a bigger house and better stuff. That is not the essence of the Christian message. The essence of the Christian message is the cross of Jesus Christ where he died to pay the sin debt and to break the bondage that sin had over the human race and to save the souls of all those who will believe, and to transform and conform them into his very own image, it's called sanctification, as we live as believers. That's the gospel. Doesn't mean it's wrong to have stuff. Doesn't mean it's wrong to preach about money. And it doesn't mean it's wrong to preach about blessing. But that shouldn't be what you're preaching about every time. If you're going to take one thing, I mean, if you just have to, <clears throat> if you just have to take one thing and just preach on it every time, let it be the cross. I believe the Lord would prefer that we delve into his whole counsel and try to represent that the best that we can uh, to the congregation. But if you have to preach on the same thing every time, let it be the cross. Because you can't exhaust the message of the cross. There's so many avenues of it. There's so many outgrowths of it. Outworkings of this great plan of redemption. And it affects every area of man's life. The message of the cross, the preaching of the cross, affects man in the mental area. It affects man in the domestic area, in the spiritual area, in the area of physical health. And healing, the cross is the answer to everything. You've heard me say that many, many times. And so if we're going to specialize on one thing, then don't let it be psychology or prosperity or don't even let it be the blessings of God. As wonderful as they are, let it be the cross. The preaching of the cross was foolishness to some people because in Paul's day, the law of Moses taught the Jews that a man was cursed if he was hung upon a tree. You can look at Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. To believers, however, the suffering of Christ brought eternal life and redemption through the cross. And it's the power of God that we read about in verse 18. It's the power of God that saves those who believe. So the Jews of Paul's day tripped over it. And they had a hard time hearing what he was saying. Because they had been taught in their law. And they didn't understand that Jesus had come to fulfill the law. They didn't understand it. So they were reluctant to receive Paul when he told them, We preach Christ crucified. See, to the believer, it's the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew in that day and to the Greek, the intellectual, both peoples, 
It was foolishness. And why not? Because the law of Moses said that a man is cursed, Deuteronomy 21, 22, 23. Chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, says that a man was cursed if he was hanged on a tree. But you know, God has always used the foolish things to defeat his enemies. Throughout Bible history, God not only has used simple people, but he has used simple things in the hands of his anointed ones to defeat his enemies and those seeking uh, to oppose his people. God used the rod of Aaron and Moses to perform mighty miracles in Egypt and also in the wilderness. You can look at Exodus 4, 2, Exodus 7, 9, Exodus 8, 5, Exodus 17, verse 5 and verse 9, and on and on and on we could go. God used the slingshot in the hand of David to bring down Goliath. Look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 50. God used the fleece of Gideon to confirm a victory in a battle. See Judges chapter 6 and, and verse 37 through 40. God used the ox goat of Shagmar, Shamgar. God used the ox goat of Shamgar to slay 600 Philistines. Judges 3.31. Foolish things. Foolish things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has always used foolish things to defeat his enemies. Praise God. Even in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Christ used clay as a faith tool to heal a blind man. Look at John 9 and 6. Others were cured just simply touching the hem of Christ's garment. Matthew 14, 36. Paul's handkerchiefs were prayed over and they were placed upon the sick, bringing healing to their physical bodies. Praise God. Read Acts 19.12. And even the shadow of Peter. Think of this. The shadow of Peter was used as a point of contact for releasing God's healing power. Acts 5.15. These incidents from the word of God alone give us the proof that God uses foolish things to confound the wise. That's the reason that Paul said no flesh would glory in his presence. And that's in the 29th verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. No flesh will glory. That's the reason... That's the reason that God does not demand that New Testament Christianity keep the law because no flesh is going to glory in his presence. Nobody's going to be able to stand there that day and say, I did it all right. I did this and I did this and I didn't do that and I didn't do this. No flesh will glory in his presence because he has chosen the foolishness of preaching to draw sinners to salvation and to build saints up. In the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that through the preaching of the cross. Praise God. And so when we see these things happening. 
Many times people wonder, how could a man that died 2,000 years ago on a cross, how can that save me? In the original Greek language, it tells us when Paul was speaking of the cross of Christ, it was in a tense that meant it was a one-time event in history that has continuing results throughout history. And so the cross that Jesus died on that day 2,000 years ago, whenever it was, the results of that is still flowing down through the years and through the ages and through the millennia. And it gets into my world today. And when, the, as the Holy Spirit opens my heart to this and opens my mind and eyes to it, then that cross of Christ has effect on my personal life. You see, I was not standing there at the base of that cross 2,000 plus years ago. But in the Greek verbiage, as I said, it was a one-time event in history that was intended to have continuing results throughout history. That's where we come in. And the world and the unredeemed will look at it and say, that's foolishness. But to those of us who believe, to those of us which are saved, it is the power of God. And I'll say it again, while I have your ear this afternoon, it's the only way to be saved. It's the only way to get saved. It's the only way to stay saved. It's not by anything that we can do, but it's by faith in what Jesus has done. We literally, it's one, we are one by one and done. Oh, I want to say that again. We are one by one. Jesus Christ defeated every power of hell, defeated every demon, defeated every devil, defeated every sickness, defeated every disease, defeated every sin, defeated Satan. We are one by one and done. Jesus, when he hung on that cross there that day, he said, it is finished. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That means I can't add anything to it. You can't add anything to it. Can't nobody add anything to it. It is finished. And when we proclaim it, when we preach it, when we preach the cross, souls will get saved. Souls will come to Jesus. Why? How do we know? Man, five minutes ago, they were laughing at me when I talked to them about the cross. It's all right. Just keep preaching it. Just keep preaching it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit promised. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Glory to God. And so the person today who is hearing about the cross, some for the first time, some have heard it many times, and they have mocked it, and they have scoffed it, uh, scoffed at it, and they have rejected it, and they have laughed at it and made their fun. 
Just keep preaching. And just keep preaching the cross in love. Just keep preaching. Just keep de declaring the truth. Stand on the word of Almighty God. And the word of God, every bit of it, points to the cross of Jesus Christ. Just keep preaching it. And the, the Lord promised, if you will lift me up, if you will declare my word, if you will declare about my death upon the cross, he said, I will draw all men. And so the Holy Spirit's going to go to work on these people. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The Holy Spirit's going to start talking and bringing people to Christ. The message of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it was written, and it was written in Isaiah 29 and 14, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This speaks to those who are wise in their own eyes. I know what I need to do. Or, or most often, they don't know what they need to do, but they just know that what we're preaching can't be right. Have you ever, have you ever run across that? They don't really know how to be saved. And, and so many Christians, they don't really know how to be sanctified. They struggle with it on a daily basis. But they just are sure that what we're preaching can't be right. You see, that's what he's talking about here. And he says, I'm going to destroy their wisdom. And I'm going to bring to nothing their understanding. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? When Paul cried this out, this was referring to the Jewish theologians of his day. Where are the scribes? Where is the disputer of this world, he said. And this speaks of the Greeks who were seekers of metaphysical and, and, and mystical interpretations about everything. Have you ever met people who try to spiritualize everything with some metaphysical or mystical connotation? And so they, they won't receive the word of the cross because they just know it's got to be something else. It goes back to destroying the wisdom of the prudent and the knowledge of the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? This pertains to what God did in sending his son to redeem humanity, which he did by the cross. All the wisdom of the world wouldn't do that. All the wisdom of the world cannot save one soul. All the wisdom of the world cannot guarantee one person a place in heaven. Only the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross can guarantee us eternal life. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Mankind's puny little wisdom, uh, even the best, even the best of human minds, has nothing to offer where salvation is concerned. And they cannot come to know God in any manner, shape, form, or fashion except they come through the blood of the cross 
of Jesus Christ. And again, that is why it's so important that we preach the cross. Amen. It pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching of the cross to save them who believe. That's 1 Corinthians 1.21. Paul, again, is not dealing with the art of preaching. God's not, God does not tell us that we have to get up and scream out our message. Neither does he tell us that we have to whisper our message. It's not the art of preaching in and of itself that matters one iota. But what matters is what are we preaching? The message that's being preached is what will save men. I'm going to say that again because it's important that we get this. It's not the way that we preach that will save men. It's not the volume at which we preach. You know, I'm, I'm pretty bombastic. I like, to, I like to scream and run around the altar. Amen? But it's not the volume or the lack of volume that's going to save people. It's not just the very fact that we get up and preach that's going to save people. It's the message that we preach. When we preach the cross, people will get saved. When we preach the cross, people will get filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit works completely in the realm of the cross and faith in it. When we preach the cross, people will get healed. When we preach the cross, people will get blessed because every single thing that you and I need for living this life as Christians, including the entrance point, which is getting saved, and then everything thereafter that we need to please God is found in the cross. It's all found in the cross. Hallelujah. Salvation's in the cross. The baptism in the Holy Spirit's in the cross. Peace and joy and long suffering's found in the cross. Healing's in the cross. Prosperity's in the cross. Blessings in the cross. Mercy is in the cross. The way we treat each other. In life, we find our answers in the cross and nowhere else. So the message becomes more important than the art of preaching. And it doesn't really matter. God can use someone who's shouting. God can use someone who's whispering. If the message is right. You got me? Verse 22, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the Jews require a sign. And the sign that they were looking for at the time of Christ, the Jewish people were looking for a sign. They were looking for the Messiah to take the throne and make Israel a great and powerful nation once again. They weren't looking for Jesus when he came to die for their sins. The Jews require a sign. Then he said, the Greeks seek after wisdom. They thought that human wisdom can surely solve the human problem. But even as they solved one problem, they were ever seeking after more human wisdom because the problem kept getting bigger. And they would solve one little problem, and ten more would jump out because man's problem is sin. 
every single thing that you look about and see negative in the world today is caused by sin. Death is caused by sin. Sickness is caused by sin. War and hate and fighting is caused by sin. Hunger came into this world because of sin. Every single problem that man has, the root problem is the sin problem. And the answer is the cross. Do you follow me? The answer is the cross. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. The Jews require a sign. They were looking for a Messiah to make Israel great and claim the throne. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but it never satisfies. But we, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. Now notice, notice he didn't say we preach Christ resurrected. Why is that? There were many things that Paul could have said. He could have said, we preach the resurrection. He could have said, we preach Christ and his healings of people. He could have said, we preach Christ and his multiplication of loaves and fishes. But he didn't say none of that. He said, we preach Christ crucified. Why did he say that? You see, because Jesus satisfied the perfect justice of God. And because Jesus kept the law of God perfectly. Again, something that you and I could never do and are not required to do under the New Testament. We are required simply to place our faith in what Jesus did for us and God accredits it to us. He credits it to us. Jesus did it. And that don't mean you'll be perfect either. But because of that, when Jesus died on Calvary and was buried in the tomb, the resurrection was never in doubt. Because God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So the resurrection, though it's important, you, the, Paul said in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, you can't be saved if you don't believe in the resurrection. The resurrection is important. The resurrection is powerful. The resurrection seals our justification. It sealed the whole deal. But Paul said we preach Christ crucified because it was at that cross where the root problem of all problems was dealt with. The resurrection was a given because God had accepted Jesus' sacrifice because Jesus lived a perfect life. Let me tell you this. Let me see if I can say it another way. <clears throat> All of Jesus' miracles, as wonderful as they were, would not have saved one soul. All of Jesus' sermons, no doubt as powerful as they were, would not have saved one soul. All of his teachings, all of his 
parables, all of his illustrations, as wonderful as they are, would not save one single soul. He had to go to the cross to save mankind. And our part of that is to put our faith in what he did. At the cross, the perfect sacrifice that broke the power of sin, that paid the sin debt, that we could never hope to pay. Friend, please believe me. Please believe me today. You could never hope to do everything good enough to stand in the presence of God. You have got to come into the presence of God through blood, and specifically the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross. In the Old Covenant, all of those little animals that were sacrificed, all they ever did was cover sin for a period of time. And then they, there had to be more sacrifices. Jesus died on the cross once for all. Once for all. Once for all. And God will never again accept the sacrifices of bulls and goats. No, my friend, we look today to what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary, and we are saved, and that's also how we are sanctified. In other words, the Holy Spirit begins to work on us and makes us more like Jesus if we believe. If we believe, if we believe, we preach Christ crucified. This is the very foundation of the entirety of the Word of God. It's the foundation of salvation. It's the, it's the foundation of sanctification. It's the foundation of eternity. The cross of Jesus Christ. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. Both groups of people found it difficult to accept God as a dead man, hanging on a cross. That's what Christ was to them. That's where that power, that resurrection kicks in there, huh? Because today, 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 Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. But there's no body in the tomb of Jesus Christ because he's not dead. He is risen. Hallelujah to God. And see, because he went to the cross, and because God accepted his sacrifice, now he lives to bring his will to pass in our hearts and lives. And that's a whole other subject. That's a whole other subject. But when they thought of God as a dead man on a cross, they couldn't fathom it. How's that supposed to save me? They didn't understand. They never understood, even though, you know, half of them were Jews, half of them were Greeks. They didn't understand even the Mosaic Law. They didn't know what it really represented and what it really meant. They didn't understand the sacrificial system, what it really pointed to. They didn't really understand, even though they were scholars of the law, they didn't really know what God was trying to say to them and trying to show them. In every single thing, from the sacrifices to the tabernacle, to the priest's garments, 
to the rituals and the ceremonies. They did not understand that it was not about those things. It pointed to a greater than Solomon who would one day come. God himself wrapped in the embilments of human flesh and he would die on a cross as the perfect Lamb of God without sin, without stain, without blemish to pay for the sins of man. They didn't understand that. So they couldn't relate to the message of the cross that Paul was preaching. But Paul said, it's the power of God. And if we'll just keep preaching it, even though it seems sometimes like people just aren't hearing us, let me tell you what the scripture says. Unto them which are called, once the Holy Spirit calls you, you see, the, the entirety of mankind is invited to accept Christ. The called are the ones who accept the invite. Let me say that again. I'm getting ready to close. Hang in there. Let him come and drink of the water of life freely, the Bible says in the book of Revelation. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. All of mankind has been invited. The called are the ones who accept the invite. And I don't have time to develop that further today, the meaning of the Greek word of the word called. But it basically means the one who accepts the invite. They came to call. See, We've looked at that just a little bit wrong. Unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. What he did at the cross, what Jesus did at the cross, paid for and atoned for all sin, making it possible for the Holy Spirit to exhibit his power within our lives. And the wisdom of God. This wisdom devised a plan of salvation for you and for me, which could pardon guilty people and at the same time vindicate and glorify the justice of God. I want you to understand that in closing. The true wisdom of God, not man's wisdom, we've talked about that, but the wisdom of God devised a plan of salvation which could pardon you and I, though we're guilty, and at the same time, uh, vindicate and glorify the justice of God. And this, this is the wisest and most remarkable plan of all time. The cross of Jesus Christ. Because the foolishness of God. You follow this, what Paul's developing here? He's saying, you looked at the cross... As, as mankind, you looked at the cross and you counted it foolishness, but my foolishness is wiser than your wisdom, God said to him. The, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. And the weakness of God, Jesus, hanging there. But he was no victim. Jesus was not murdered. He, was an off, he offered his life as a perfect sin offering for you and for me. See, the world couldn't understand that. They looked at it and, and said, foolishness. 
God said wisdom. And he said, my wisdom, my foolishness is wiser than your wisdom. He, played, he did a play on their words when they considered this greatest plan of, of all time as foolishness. God said, well, my foolishness is wiser than your wisdom. And my weakness is stronger than men. So what I want to leave you with is this. As we've tried to look into those few verses, and we have seen that God always uses foolish things in the mind of man to defeat his enemies. And God has used the foolish things of the world. And what that means is, the things that the world looks at and calls foolishness, God used it to save whosoever will come and will believe. And this is why it's important that you and I, more than anything else, above and beyond everything else, we preach the cross. Preach the cross. Preach the message of the cross. You don't have to preach it just exactly like any certain ministry preaches it. Just preach it like the Bible preaches it. You don't have to copy a particular style or copy a particular me method of expression, but just preach what the Word of God says. And learn, for goodness sakes, learn how to rightly divide the Word of God. Learn how God de deals with the human race through the different dispensations. And we are today in the dispensation of grace. And our faith must be in Calvary today. Or there's no hope for us. But there is hope for us if we'll trust the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. And so I say to you, and I will continue to say, we preach Christ crucified. Preach the cross. Never stop. Never allow your message to be changed. Never add to or take away from the message of the cross. And offer people the hope that at first when they hear it, they might say, that is foolishness. But just keep preaching it. Just keep preaching it because the Holy Spirit will open up their heart. And they will eventually, God will woo them, and they will receive Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time with the people today. I've tried my best to preach this message, and I've done it badly, I know. But Father, take the words that we've spoken here today and drive it to our hearts like arrows of deliverance, Father God, from the very throne of God, God. Oh, Father, today, thank you, God. God, today I pray that you will touch every heart and draw men and women, boys and girls, to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.